Hi, welcome to Death and Desserts, where we discuss the dark and disturbing and beautiful elements of death whilst eating dessert. I'm Zaria. And I'm Sana. And today we are talking about obituaries. And today's dessert is good old brownies. <laughs> I love a brownie. I love brownies as well. These are Ghirardelli from a box mix. I tried to get fancy with the whipped cream and put like chopped up maraschino cherries in it, but the whipped cream is plant-based and it fell flat it i was there with my whipper for like 30 minutes and i'm like why why won't you whip it was ridiculous but it's not just some ordinary brownie because you use the little tombstone i did use my tombstone pans it's so cute (laughs) they are super cute i love them any opportunity to use my tombstone pans i mean it's edible I actually got excited when the brownies came out of the tombstone pans with no problem. Like, I totally thought they would stick or wouldn't be done in the middle. <laughs> Your uh, whipped cream tastes like cherries. Mm-hmm. You can taste that. Mm. I just needed chocolate and cherries today. I don't know. I've been craving it for a couple of days now. That's good. Thanks. I like it. Those cherries definitely there. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Well, while I'm riding on this high of not killing dessert... You want to regale me with some death news? I do. And it's going to be a slight departure from our typical death news. Oh, yay. I like departures. (laughs) So I was researching like what I wanted to cover and I kept bumping into recent freak accidents, freak accidents, freak accidents. And some of them started to overlap to the point where I was like, can it even be a freak accident if multiple people are experiencing the same death? That is weird. Some of them are really bizarro. So I got a little bit too invested. Some are kind of cautionary and some of them are darwinian for sure but i'll let you judge which is which (laughs) darwinian that was very nice of you to say it that way (laughs) i've broken them into categories of three different types of recent freak accidents the first one earlier this week a fire in queens killed one man and injured like 10 others via lithium ion battery so like a hundred firefighters showed up like this was massive fire from one little battery for one little battery and four different firemen were sent to the hospital and one dude perished and a bunch of people were injured and so that building had to have been like not up to code at all i guess there had to have been something else wrong with that building you would think so but that is what led me down the rabbit hole is because apparently more than a hundred people a year perish in fires started by lithium ion batteries that are used for e-bikes and electronic scooters especially. So people will like charge the battery in their house and that's a huge fire hazard. I don't know if it comes with documentation saying, hey, don't do this. But so hundreds of people a year die from these explosions. It's gruesome. And I was like, the hell, I've never heard of that. So it wasn't just a building. Like these things are exploding accelerant or something all over the place. I guess they said that if you have them inside, that's a fire hazard. I'm like, well, do they not explode outside? What is the deal? I've never heard of these e-bike batteries. Outside, they just burn themselves outside. I guess. And there's nothing (laughs) Like if you have it sitting on the porch, it's still going to fuck up your whole house. Right. It's not going to spark inside. So the, I guess one of the people that died, you know, it was the smoke inhalation. And Mm. so word to the wise, if you have an e-bike or an electronic scooter, do not charge that shit inside, please. I think I have one of those batteries at my house, or I had because my oldest had a battery powered, like 
four-wheeler for a mm-hmm. long time. That thing was fucking old, too. And it could recharge the battery until the battery wouldn't charge anymore. And then we got rid of it. It's like, fuck. It fuck. was in the garage. <laughs> it was... Right. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have had it there, either. Like... Well, who knew? I mean, I, I didn't even know this was a thing. Yeah. Okay. So our second desktop I started to bump into, and this one's really kind of tragic, but I feel like we need to talk about it anyway, is that there's a whole rash of younger teens and tweens that are dying in a viral TikTok challenge right now. Jesus again. Uh, yeah. And apparently this specific trend started... I guess, last year, and several kids died, but kids are still dying from it. So, a little 12-year-old Argentinian girl um, completed this challenge, and it's like the blackout challenge, where you're supposed to choke yourself until you pass out. Right. And so, some of these kids are dying, and... This shit kills rock stars. Like, did we learn nothing from the guy from NXS? Or, like, David Carradine? Like, this... Yeah. Don't choke yourself! Right? I guess maybe if you're 12, you have no clue. And I guess the the 12-year-old girl, her aunt said that some people at school kept agging her on because they were bullying her because she was blonde and blue-eyed and, like, you know. So there was background bullying. And so I dug into that a little deeper. And so last year, maybe not last year, last summer, uh, several kids in the UK died from this challenge. And, And currently, right now, there are two wrongful death lawsuits against TikTok because some Californian kids died from this challenge. I'm not sure it's TikTok's fault. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of debate there that we probably shouldn't touch on right now. Right. Can they tell who started this dumbass challenge? Right. So TikTok responded by saying, at least at some point, they didn't respond to the news article that I read. But prior to that, TikTok had said, you know, this kind of death predated TikTok and that, you know fuck around and find out. I don't know. So I guess my my thing there is, I guess if you have children, tweens and whatnot, you probably shouldn't let them on TikTok. And then for our final death, this one doesn't make me feel bad at all, except for one of the parties. Miraculously, last week, two different men were killed by knife-wielding roosters and completely... No, what? Oh, you did save the best for last. Tell me about knife-wielding roosters. Oh, my God. Right? That's how I found it. Hold on. What the fuck am I reading? Let me dig into this. So, knife-wielding roosters. Separate incidents, separate districts in India, separate rooster fights. Um, I guess it's a thing in India. I don't know if they do it in the illegal rooster fights in America, but... They will strap knives to the rooster's legs, which is so fucked up. They already have spurs. I guess they need knives. But, so here's the thing. One man was the owner of one of the roosters, and he was like 43, and the crowd, because it was like during a festival in India, and so there was a lot of ruckus, more people than there normally would be. The crowd spooked the rooster, and it like flew up into the crowd, and then it landed on this man, and it severed his legs so bad that he bled out. So, like, what kind of knife are you using, first of all? It landed on his owner, not just some random guy. Yeah, just on the owner. I mean, right? karma, bitch. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. The second incident, completely different district, different man, different rooster fight. Now, he was a spectator at the rooster fight, but similar thing happened where the rooster, like, cut his hand, and he bled out from his hand. So again, what kind of knives are they using to strap to these poor roosters? 
How do you bleed out from a cut on your hand? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. What kind of knives are you putting on these poor roosters? So the guy with the leg, you can think, okay, maybe it was his... Femoral. Femoral. Yeah. I said the same thing, but I was like, but your hand... The, the guy with the leg, they rushed him to the hospital, but he, it, even he was too late. He bled out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, you think femoral already. Guy with the hand, same thing. He got immediate, but he bled out and died there. Like, what are you people strapping these poor roosters. I don't know. So I've I, seen people get their hands cut off and survive. Like, yeah. I don't know. Unless it's just the exact way it landed. I don't know. But the fact that there are multiple incidents of knife-wielding roosters killing people in these fights. Wow. So it made me feel really bad for the rooster, and I tried not to think about it anymore, about what likely happened to the rooster. But at the same time... I was like, well, at least they took Or has been happening them. to all the roosters. I mean, clearly they've been strapping knives to them for a while now. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, but I've never heard of such a thing. And so the fact that in one day there were two incidents in two complete different districts was just remarkable to me. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. That is crazy. So, like, is there a timeline where in our near future where there's like a whole many people, hundreds of people have died via rooster? I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't rooster fight. I know that there's cockfighting around here because several of my farmer friends have had to be suspicious of people that they're selling their chickens and roosters to. So I know that it happens around here, but I don't think anybody's strapping knives or blades of any kind to them. I mean, I feel like shit like this would happen and then we'd know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm completely... Completely befuddled. Me too. Maybe they just had no vitamin K in their bodies? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but that's what I have for today's death news. Wow. That's bananas. All right. So recently, a friend of mine messaged me. I was like, you guys should do an episode on obituaries. And turns out she was in the middle of writing an obituary for a family member. And she asked for my assistance. I've never written an obituary. I did still end up helping her. So that's cool. And she didn't know what to write. And it was kind of a complicated situation. They had a complicated relationship. But the end product was well done. And I'm proud of her. And she's proud of herself. But all her questions about the etiquette and stuff like that. I was like, you're right. We should do an episode on obituaries. And I had planned on doing it like way down the road when we started struggling for topics. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. And we are doing obituaries today. So without further ado, let's talk about obituaries. First of all, why do we do obituaries? The purpose of an obituary is to notify the public of an individual's passing and relay the details of the services, funerals, memorials, or lack thereof. They have been very short, just death notices saying so-and-so is dead. And then there have been lengthy bios. Does every place do obituaries? That is actually really hard for me to answer. I couldn't find a straightforward yes or no answer on any country that does or doesn't do obituaries. Mm -hmm. I guess if you have periodicals or newspapers of some kind, then your country probably does obituaries in some form. I have to wonder because when I was deciding about grandma's obituary, it was like, okay, we can put it on the website. We can put X amount of words, very short for free. But then if you publish it, it's like, you know, yeah, that's what I was running 200 into something. a lot. No obituary is legally required. You don't have to do it. 
Mm-hmm. But there are websites you can do them for free. Then there's the funeral homes website that will have a space for that, which they probably charge for. And actual published and printed like newspapers and mm-hmm. stuff like that tend to be very expensive now. Mm-hmm. They used to do them for free in yeah. newspapers. That is not the case anymore, you know, capitalism. So as far as I can tell, every country does them. Basically, the only differences are what's in them. For instance, in Brazil, an obituary will describe the masses that were done at the funeral and thank the friends and family that were there and supportive toward the end of the deceased's life, mm-hmm. if it was like a an illness or something like that. In Brazil, no cause of death. Half the time it doesn't say like the exact day or anything like that. In Japan, on the other hand, cause and time of death, very important. And they will have information. There's a chief mourner, usually the spouse or parent of the deceased person, and their address will be in there. And that is where you send flowers, condolences, you drop by their house, stuff like that. That seems like a bad idea. It seems like such a bad idea. And we will get to that because it is, in fact, a very bad idea. (laughs) So, yeah, there, there's that. Guess how long we've been doing obituaries? I have no idea. I don't even have a random guess. Since ancient Roman times. Really? The first found published obituary was in 59 BCE. Okay, I wouldn't have ever got that Same. Close. Me neither. It seems like it's a modern invention. So, yeah, obituaries were published in 59 BCE. So, they were published in newspapers called... Acta Dierna, or Daily Events. So it makes sense that they would be Mm -hmm. in there. However, obituaries did not become commonplace until the 1800s. They had a big explosion during the Civil War for obvious reasons. Right. There were some in medieval times. I think it was usually someone prominent. Right. When, like, royalty or somebody died, they didn't bother with obituaries because they would write whole stories. Mm-hmm. And it would become like this whole big thing. And so they, they didn't actually have to bother with obituaries for them. In the 1800s, usually adult death notices were pretty succinct. Just, you know, so-and-so has passed on who you can send condolences to and then where the funeral is going to be. But when children died, which happened a lot because of diseases and you know, factory accidents and stuff like that. They would have small poems in them or they really flowery language about life being cut short and stuff like that. So yeah, they've been really prevalent since then. And the use of obituaries is just growing and growing and growing. More people have them, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. It's okay not to write one. It's okay not to want someone to write one for you. Mm -hmm. You can, like, have it stipulated in your will, you know, keep this shit to yourselves. You know, don't announce it. Don't, I, nothing. Or, you know, you can tell people by word of mouth, but usually, like, the funeral home is going to be like, oh, we'll we'll just send out, you know, the Mm -hmm. death notice part, you know. I think it's interesting. (laughs) I had kind of been comparing older obituaries that I still have of family members in like the 80s compared to how the obituaries sound now and even the language that we use and the kind of 
flow of them have changed from the 80s. Really? It's like, at the 80s, I, you know, I have my grandfather's obituary over there, and it was very, like, I don't know, it just doesn't sound as flowery, and yeah, It was very dry. Yeah. You know, it's a, just like you said, basic, you know, where it was, what the services are, you know. Yep. And, you know, some people don't want people to know they're dead for some reason, or, you know, it's not nobody's business or whatever. Sometimes the deceased has just alienated everyone and nobody wants to write an obituary. And there's also, it might not be in anybody's budget to do so. Mm -hmm. I mean, like we were just talking about a minute ago, they charge for that shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, the death notices, I think, are always free, at least on the websites. But as far as printed, you have to pay. Mm-hmm. Unless it's just like a one-liner. I think like ours for Grandma, the actual Citizen Times, they could do like one line, which is, you know, whatever. But then... If it was just were... Grandma's full name. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know exactly what was in there because I was like, eh, no, we're just not going to publish it. Um, We'll just do it on the website, on the Funeral Homes website. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure that it's a luxury for many because you just don't have that, especially if you want to get detailed, you know? Right. Yeah. If they charge you more for them. They charge you by mm-hmm. word, basically. Yeah. That's... And when it's digital, that makes no sense whatsoever. When it's printed, I can understand that because it's like a physical thing and it takes up the room. But when it's digital, there's no fucking reason to charge per word or per letter or any of that. Yeah, thankfully I didn't have to pay anything for grandmas because we used the funeral home, you know, and they let me go as long as I wanted to when I wrote it. And and they just um, did some light editing they're like we'll just double check we're not going to change anything we'll just check for you we're going to talk grammar about and editing and guidelines in a little bit cool there are websites where it is still free and there are specific websites that have nothing to do with funeral homes like legacy.com i think was one of them mm. where we got rocky's obituary i think is one of the ones uh has nothing to do with funeral homes because you know that was a funeral home in argentina that did him dirty they did now we're going to talk about the etiquette this is what everybody wonders when they're writing an obituary what to write what not to write luckily there's pretty much a template for writing an obituary and it's the death announcement person's name even full name maybe their age and that they have died usually a euphemism of some kind passed away gone home or been called home you know stuff like that in america i haven't seen any causes of death actually listed in obituaries like that i have physically looked at myself i've never seen them but movies and tv would have me believe that that's always in there it's not I remember watching, like, shows on TV, and they're like, oh, so-and-so died of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the fuck that newspaper says that? No, it does not. No. Okay, so, the death announcement part. Usually a brief bio. You want to keep it short. You don't need to write a novel, especially if you're paying a newspaper for it. And then the list of family members that proceeded in death, if it's important. And then the list of surviving family members. And then, of course, funeral and memorial arrangement information. So that's the template right there. And uh, like I said, in America, the cause of death is almost never mentioned. There are some exceptions when the person writing the obituary wants to make a statement 
about how the person died. There was one, I'm going to have to dig the link back up. A mother very succinctly talked about her son completing suicide. And then the whole thing after that was basically like a public service announcement. You know, mm-hmm. if you know someone, if you like check on them and stuff like that. Like she used her son's obituary to make a public service announcement about suicide. Or some people mention an illness or cancer or something like that. And here is where I'm going to do my own PSA. Please, 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 if you're writing an obituary, do not say the deceased lost their battle with cancer, lost their battle with depression, lost their battle with whatever. A lot of people, especially cancer patients, find that very victim blamey and it makes it sound like the deceased failed somehow Mm -hmm. by not surviving what happened to them. Please don't do that. Nobody is losing their battles. (laughs) Oh my God, please don't do that. Okay, so moron etiquette. Do you mention exes? This is kind of specific to spouses. You can, I guess, mention like ex-step-parents or whatnot, but like ex-boyfriends and girlfriends and partners, not so much, unless like the partner was like a life partner. (laughs) Yeah, you don't necessarily have to write about an ex-spouse in the survivors list unless you don't want to deal with the rage of an indignant dramatic ex. Because you know there's people out there that are like, you didn't put me in their obituary. (laughs) Whatever. You definitely want to leave that person out of the obituary. But you also wouldn't be like ex-spouse, so would you be like close family friend? Like, how would you even word that? I mean, I think that people would actually say like ex-wife or ex-husband. That's weird to me. And, And it also depends on... I mean, this is all case-by-case, individual basis, but if the person did not remarry, sometimes the family will include their ex-spouse instead, and I feel that's kind of ick. So, estranged family members, again, this is an individual, case-by-case thing. If they're, like, really estranged, haven't talked to each other in years, I don't see a reason why someone would include them in the list of family. Mm-hmm. Traditional etiquette says mention the estranged family members, but not that they're estranged. See, of course. That kind of goes back to the whole ick of mentioning the ex-spouse just to say that they had a spouse. Like, you don't have to. Like, there's no reason to candy coat and sweep secrets under the rug. That's. I guess it can depend. Because I have been mentioned in an obituary and had my name misspelled, for instance, because although I was close to the person that was deceased, I wasn't close to the people that wrote the obituary and their family. And so... But you were close to the deceased. That's why you were included. Yeah, I was included, but the details were wrong. Like, you misspelled my name, misspelled the... You know, so I... I'm not saying that I would have rather not been there because I should have been there. But yeah. it's just like when strangers are writing an obituary and they're just putting you in because they're supposed to. And yet they don't care about you enough to get... I don't know. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Like kind like of, I said, there's... I mean... It happens. It's up to the individual. I personally think if the estranged family member hasn't spoken to the deceased in, I don't know, over... 
I, I don't see. I don't know the limit. I don't. It's been one year. That's not a whole lot yeah. when you think about it. But like, if it's been like ten years, they are fine. Don't. They have no idea this person's even dead. <laughs> it's whatever. I guess it just depends on who's writing it, and you know who's who's taken on the right. responsibility of doing it. I agree there. That's for sure. I, I guess I went off on a bit of a tangent about estrangement because you know there's all kinds of reasons people would be estranged Mm -hmm. so you can write your own obituary with the advancement of death positivity writing one's own obituary is becoming increasingly popular mostly among terminally ill people but other people that just like being prepared obviously most patients see this as being pessimistic or like they're giving up or something like that so they they won't do it it's like superstitious. Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. yeah, like they don't want like pessimism or superstition. I was trying to be death positive for somebody recently who is fighting like hell with some very serious breast cancer. And it was just about her her stuff from a, a very specific profession. And her husband wasn't going to know what to do with it. And I was like, well, pick someone who will know what to do with it and talk to them. And they didn't respond to anything I said. And I'm like, I get it. You know, like they're in the middle of chemo right now. They want to, they want to stay positive and they see making arrangements like that as being negative Mm -hmm. or being pessimistic. So I feel like I I overstepped some things and I probably shouldn't have said that, but they definitely aren't holding a grudge against me about it. (laughs) So I think um, our step it needs to be is that when we are finally doing our advanced directives, I'm going to redo mine. Mm. Um, when we're doing that, we, we'll just have a date and we'll just write our own. I think that's a great idea. I got to definitely, I would like to do my obit, my own obituary. Me too, I think. But, you know, some people say that it's pessimistic. Some people are glad to have it done. Mm-hmm. It's just one less thing for everyone to worry about. A lot of celebrities and historical figures have pre-written obituaries way before they die including elizabeth taylor queen elizabeth obviously the whole country had been prepared for decades for that woman to die and clint eastwood they all have what's called premature obituaries or pre-written obituaries and i am not surprised that clint eastwood would have one because he's a raging narcissist and he wants to keep controlling his own narrative and I have feelings about <laughs> You do have feelings because we were just talking about how we're going to write our own and you don't think it's narcissistic for us to do it. Like, what does his no, say? No, I mean... That was... Did you even know what his said? I don't know what his said. I just know that he is, in well, fact... I mean, he's a raging... Sh- he was just raging shithead. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he you're really right. was. Like, I mean, I guess it depends. I am so far from being narcissistic. Like, you can't have narcissistic problems and the amount of low self-esteem that I have. I don't think. Maybe. I don't know. I'd have to ponder that. (laughs) Like, me doing my own obituary just feels, like, fun and morbid. And But for him, it's clearly just another control abuse tactic. (laughs) And I'm going to get sued. (laughs) I need to shut the fuck up. (laughs) So, other reasons to write your own obituary besides being prepared or telling your side of your own story are things like saying last goodbyes to loved ones that are going to read it or thanking people. You can make it sound like 
an Oscar speech thanking everyone that supported you and gave you opportunities and guided you and taught you. And, you know, you can really have your little gold statue moment in your own obituary. And I think that that makes me want to write my own. Mm -hmm. And it would be fucking long. Like, there would be so many people that I would be thanking and saying that I will miss and blah, blah, blah. I would have two lines that it would involve you and Jason, and then there'd be a, just a list of just grievances and fuck you. <laughs> like, it would just, no, it really wouldn't. But, like, in my brain. No, but why wouldn't it? Like, we're <laughs> going to talk about mean obituaries here in a minute. But if you're pre-writing your own, you can. You can absolutely middle finger everyone that you want to and be like fuck up and you know stuff like that hmm now i'm even more intrigued i don't have a whole lot of that but i want more people to write their own obituaries <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think i've ever seen one that was written by the decedent i will have some links posted i can't remember the names but there were people that wrote their own obituaries and i will post links to their obituaries i think i like the concept because it lets you have like for clint eastwood too <laughs> it lets you control your own narrative like i would yeah. be afraid that somebody would write mine, but it would be uber, I don't know, not necessarily religious, but it would just not be me. It would be like exactly. very... Somebody would them. say that you were like resting in Jesus and everybody reading that obituary, <laughs> like the newspaper would burst into flames. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then I'd have to haunt somebody. It would just be like a whole thing. So <sighs> It would be a whole thing. <laughs> so you might, that's a really good idea, actually. <laughs> there are professional obituary writers, if we don't want to do it ourselves or if you just can't bring yourself to write one for a family member however usually they will like interview family members the the professional writers will want to you know get a sense at least so if you're going to talk about it you may as well write it <laughs> but not everybody is confident in their ability to write well mm -hmm. so there are plenty of obituary writers out there hmm. obviously there's the staff of funeral homes they tend to do them there's going to be people working at newspapers that will do them and usually if they don't contact the family then it's just going to be death notice so a friend of mine's podcast they post death trivia cards every tuesday and one tuesday a few weeks ago it asked what an obit a professional obituary writer was called and I was like blown away because I didn't even know that was a profession <laughs> and the answer is necrologist that is and isn't true you are considered a necrologist if you're an obituary writer but a necrologist is one who compiles writes and manages necrologies or death lists so these people will be working for newspapers, archival companies, stuff like that. That's what they do. Maybe insurance companies. I don't know. I had no idea that it was... A thing! Yeah. Right? I am just delighted. I'm like, how can I become a necrologist? But really, it sounds like it would be actually kind of boring. Part of me is fascinated by such things. Part of me would be like in an office every day dealing with dates and names. Like my eyes would cross. There's no... Mm -mm. I could do it, but you, you were meant to be in the sun. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but yes, it's true. Like, if I was in a cubicle or something like that, I would just, I would wither. 
there are other professions surrounding obituaries, including professional readers of obituaries. Many companies in Japan, for instance, employ entire departments dedicated to reading and responding to obituaries because it's the polite, honorable thing to do to acknowledge a business partner or an employee or, you know, anybody that had anything to do with the company, they will acknowledge this person's death. So they have whole departments dedicated to reading obituaries and staying current on who has passed away. That's bananas. It's bananas and it's good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in America, people get blindsided by death all the time. They're like, they've been dead for how long? And, and, you know, people saying nobody sent cards, nobody did. Well, I mean, maybe if we had whole departments (laughs) about obituaries, you know? And there are people that collect obituaries besides necrologists. It's mostly elderly people, you know, archiving their own circles. Yes, their peers, their circles of friends, stuff like that. Um, There was one woman on Cora that said that she collected obituaries, including several people that she dated in her younger years. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. And so, you know, there will be a link to that. Then there's historical fascination and morbid fascination. Mm -hmm. When we worked together at the unnamed big box home improvement store, I would always read the obituaries (laughs) of the newspapers that were in the break room. And I don't know any of those people. I did too. And people would be like, checking to see if you're in there. And I'd be like, bitch, I've been The Walking Dead for years. This is not news to me. And I'm delighted that I almost never knew anybody in the obituary. Occasionally, though, did you ever have it? Because I did, where you would bump into somebody. Like, there were a few people I knew. And I bumped into it. And and then I had to go back up front and just act like I was, like, you know. Nope. It was a little jarring. I also haven't lived here all my life like you have. Okay, yeah. I had it happen twice. One was actually an ex-boyfriend, and I was like, oh, wow. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, obituaries can ruin one's day, but at the same time, they're necessary. I always had that experience with the Fuzzbuster. <laughs> that too. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, I never bought one, but I would always read it at the <laughs> counter until they started stapling them shut because of people like me. But I would always read the Fuzz Buster and I'd be like, I think I'm growing up finally because I don't know any of these people because in my youth, you would know I know everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, for anybody that doesn't know, the Fuzz Buster is a small periodical that listed people that got arrested that week and what they got arrested for. So yeah, now that we're adults, <laughs> very rarely do I know anybody in the Fuzz Buster. Not, I haven't even looked in like forever. And this is where we come to the scammy shit. When we said it was a very bad idea to put people's addresses and stuff. You probably shouldn't even put where they were born. Because it's identifying info for like data farming and shit. Correct. Exact amount Security questions and shit. What was your mother's, you know, Mm -hmm. birth city. Yeah. Right. What street did you live on or whatever mm-hmm. obituary scams are a thing scammers identity thieves they get all the personal information that's listed see that's why in japan they're listing a living person's address where you go to but that still feels dangerous yeah i still wouldn't want anybody to like, know my address but that's because we're americans 
That's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, America, you, yeah, I you get that. do not do something like that in America, but in Japan, you could probably trust, yeah, a large amount of the population mm-hmm. not to like stalk you or rob you or something. In America, you can, you don't have that <laughs> no. security. No, don't do it. <laughs> so, um, pointers: things you should not put in your obituaries, birth dates. That's not necessary. You can just put their age if you have to. You don't even have to do that technically, but don't put a full birth date. Do not mention where they grew up, except maybe the town, mm-hmm. especially if it's like a big city or something like that, then you can mention that. But it's better to just list the town where they were living at the end, because that will be public knowledge anyway. Yeah. The more specific you are, the more information you're giving away to identity thieves. So just keep it vague. and to piggyback on that we got a warning because if you are planning services a lot of times the funeral home will ask you if you want the signs at your house where it says please slow down funeral Mm -hmm. thank you funeral and we were cautioned that we might not want to do it because people target the houses to like look specifically for houses that have those signs and then like Try to rob them? Either rob them or use them for, like, scammy stuff or show up at the funeral and act like they're related. Or it, There's, like, a whole scam involving those, those road signs. So we were like, well, A, we're having a closed service anyway, so let's just not do it. But yeah. B, that's, like, I didn't know. That's the thing. We need to do a whole episode on funeral crashers. Yeah. It's got to happen, right? Right. This is my favorite part. This is where we talk about the best obituaries. And what obituary comes to mind for you when you think of the best obituaries? I don't know specifically, but maybe one that was a big F.U. didn't follow etiquette. Did not, you know, follow the formula and just went off on their own tangent. Okay, good, because I have one of those for you. Do you? But first I'm going to mention my favorite, and that is the... It went viral as fuck. The obituary of the witch, Holly Blair. And it just, like, euphemism for death. It wasn't passed away. It wasn't called home. Holly Blair exploded into glitter and bats on August 17th, 2020. Glitter and bats? Glitter and bats. That's fucking amazing. Right? Somebody please write that on mine. If I don't write my own, it's going to be bats for sure. For real though. She is survived by four spoiled cats, two stinky dogs, three bad birds, a turtle, and an utterly useless frog named Fred, as well oh. as three children and a husband of little to no importance. <laughs> I'm fairly certain her husband is the one that wrote this. That's so funny. I love that. The person that this describes, I was like, damn it, I wish I had been her friend before she passed. And I want... An obituary like that, you know, that makes me sound awesome. (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that is narcissistic of me. Whatever. That's fine. (laughs) Little to no importance. All hail the Wicked Witch of Juniper Road. So great. I love that. Yeah, that is the obituary of Holly Blair, and it's so great. And I'm posting that link for sure. Now, the one that you might be interested in is Larry Pfaff. Wait, I want to look this up. Oh, I have the actual full obituary. Go ahead, lay it on me. Oh, oh. (laughs) Actually, I'm not sure that I do. The article that I posted just takes bits and pieces. But when Larry Pfaff Sr. died, his son, Larry Pfaff Jr., his son was 53, I think, 
at the time. It said stuff like, Mr. Pfaff, 81, left behind a path of destruction damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. His love was abundant when it came to himself, but for his children it was limited. It will be challenging to miss Lawrence Sr. because he was narcissistic, but his death proves that evil does eventually die and it marks a time of healing which will allow his children to get the closure they deserve. Holy shit. It goes on like that. Like I only looked at the first line, but I've got the full thing here. Looks like he passed away on June 27th, 2022, living a long life much longer than he deserved. He is survived by his three children. No four, oops, five children. Was as of 2022, we believe there is one more that we know about, but there could be more. His love was abundant when it came to himself, but for his children, it was limited. From a young age, he was a ladies' man and abusive alcoholic, solidifying his commitment to both with the path of destruction he left behind, damaging his adult children and leaving them broken. Lawrence Sr.'s hobbies included abusing his first wife and children. He loved to start projects but never followed through on any of them. He enjoyed the life of a bar fly for many years and had a quaint little living space studio above his favorite hole in the wall of the club Nashville. Lawrence Sr. did spend over 20 years in the NYPD, but even his time in service was negligent at best. Because of his alcohol addiction, his commanding officer took away the, his gun and badge, replacing them with a broom until he could get his act together. Lawrence Sr. did claim to be clean and sober for over 30 years, but never worked any of the 12 steps, including the 8th and 9th steps with his children making amends. He possesses no redeeming qualities for his children, including the ones he knew and the ones he knew about. It will be challenging to miss Lawrence Sr. because he was narcissistic. He is incapable of love. Lawrence Sr.'s passing proves that evil does eventually die, and it marks a time of healing which will allow his children to get closure they deserve. Lawrence Sr. can be remembered for being a father to many and a dad to none. Bam. Holy shit. So it caused quite a stir in Jacksonville when that was published. There were actually people that wrote to the newspaper because it was published in an actual newspaper. And there were people that wrote to the newspaper like, this was wrong. You shouldn't have published this, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, we don't read them. You guys have to edit your own obituaries and then you send them into us and we publish them. And it said something about guidelines and Larry jr was like there were no guidelines mentioned on the website and he paid five hundred dollars for that obituary to be printed and he thinks it was worth every penny i bet maybe not some of the people that were calling to complain or whatever but i bet there were people that read that and felt empowered by it and was Hugely. like holy shit i like I don't have to write a lie for this and it can be like cathartic to put it out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people tracked him down. Really? And were like, this helped me so much. This was so cathartic for me as it, you know, Survivor. as it was for you. Yeah. And uh, one woman from like St. Augustine literally tracked him down in person, which is kind of freaky, but she was just, you know, telling him how it was like life changing for her and that she could let go and that she didn't have to keep up the appearances and stuff like that. And she could tell her truth. And there were two comments on his death notice on the funeral homes website. And one of them was actually like kind to Larry senior saying, you know, they'll hold him in their heart and whatever. And then the second one 
mentioned that obituary, seeing that obituary and saying that he hopes that Larry and the other kids get help. Like not in like a, you need help, but in like a, I hope you get the help that you need and heal. Mm -hmm. All the siblings that he knew about, he did message them and warned them. Like he wasn't asking, but he said, I wrote this. It's coming out. Just letting you know. Because he acknowledges that a lot of his half siblings did not grow up in the same household and may not have had the same experience with his father that he did. But his sister who did grow up in that household was like, yeah, that was the truth. And all his siblings that read it were supportive of him. Mm. None of the family, at least in that generation, were upset with him at all. Like, I don't think anybody should have been upset with him because surely everyone knew. It sounds like everyone understood who this person was. The weird thing to think about is since he was such a ladies' man and probably they had siblings that they don't know about is the perfect stranger reading it that has no clue who Larry Sr. is, but that's their father, you know? Right. Unknown unknown to them. Very possible. That's, That's wild. He met a lot of his siblings through Ancestry. Ancestry, that brings up an important thing mm. with the uh, obituary thing. Around Christmas of either 20 or 21, my grandmother's siblings found me on Ancestry mm-hmm. because I had submitted grandma's uh, DNA. And so suddenly we had all these extra siblings that my grandmother never knew. But by that point, she had already been sparring a little bit with the dementia thing and she never had the opportunity to really talk to them or get to know them. But I was getting to know them and uh, very close to some of them. And so I love your new great aunt. She's amazing. She's so rock and roll. She's wonderful. I fucking love her. So, but the, so it came to write the obituary thing and I'm like, do I mention them? Like grandma wasn't really fully aware about them and never got to meet them. And so I made the decision to exclude them just based on the fact that she didn't know who they were. That was weird to me because she had, you know, they were her, Brothers and sisters, but... Yeah, but if you hadn't found them on Ancestry... Right. It wouldn't have mattered to them. And it's not like anybody reached out to me and was like, you know, but it just gave me pause when I was writing it. And I was like, shit, what is the etiquette on this? Like, I've got so much family in Wells. That's awesome. Yeah. It's very cool. After you wrote the obituary, did you tell them? Or did you, like, message them or whatever? And you were like, so, please don't be mad I didn't include you in the obituary because we didn't know about you guys until last year. We didn't talk about it. They read it and told me how beautifully written it was and didn't address it at all. So I was like, you know, so maybe they agree. I mean, probably. It, I don't think it estranged any of us. I didn't know how to bring it back up and be like, oh, by the way, this is why I didn't include you. But it's not because I don't include you, like your family, and even if I haven't met you yet, like you're the raddest great aunt I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, then include her in your obituary. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean. She is feisty as fuck, but she's also old, so she's probably going to get there before you, so she'll just well, be shit. on I'll the preceded in death yeah. list. I'll trigger that. The woman is right as fuck. But yeah, the trend of unflattering or mean obituaries is happening. Unfortunately, because of obituaries like Larry's, newspapers and stuff are starting to actually do guidelines and saying what you can and can't put in your obituary, which I don't think is okay. I don't think it is. They're paying for it, and it's the truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think from this point forward, I'm not writing anybody's except my own. That's fair. Because you don't have to write your husband's, because you said you're going to go at the same time. So Exactly. 
We're going to have to do a whole episode on eulogies one of these days now, too. Yes. Because, I mean, obituaries are technically just tiny printed eulogies. Yep. I can't remember anybody's eulogy. I've been to a couple of funerals, and I don't remember any of them. My little brother's was, for my dad's, was really good. You know, it of course, it made me ball, but it was very touching. Why wasn't I there? I was either out of town or I was sick. You, you came by, but you couldn't stay. I think you had baby, baby no. stuff. Yeah. I don't know, but you've stopped by every funeral I've had. That's... <laughs> oh my God. That's such a... Oh, an exhausting thing to think about. <laughs> you had a lot of money. Yeah, I know. Well, I was there for your grandma's whole thing. And I was there for all of my husband's family's funerals. Like when I first started dating him... There were, like, a bunch of uncles and cousins and stuff like that. Like, two weeks into dating him, and I'm going to funerals, and I'm like, do I really want to marry this guy? These people drop like flies. Like, (laughs) I mean, he's going to go young. I don't like this at all. (laughs) But I married him anyway. (laughs) That's weird. He's going to hear that. (laughs) I love you, honey. To the delight of everyone, you've lasted decades. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, literally decades. Mm. I don't ever want to write a eulogy. Oh, man. I'm going to have to write my parents' eulogy. I'd be like, you're the writer. And I don't know if anybody's ever gotten, like, a birthday card or Valentine's Day card from me that noticed. But I cannot get poetical when it actually means something. Can't do it. I've never written anything long and sappy to my husband. Never written anything long and sappy to either of my parents or any of my siblings. <laughs> like, I can't. All those great words. Totally failing. I can, which is funny because I'm not the writer you are. I guess what it matters, I can. I mean, I got a little too flowery with Grandma's obituary, but the, the brief thing that I wrote that wasn't really like a eulogy, but it was kind of eulogy-esque, really expressed what I wanted to say. So I think that's the important part. I think so too. And I think that's a good place to end. We expressed what we wanted to express, and that is the important part. So, uh, do we have any announcements? I'm going to fuck around with Patreon. Try to figure that out because I have no job now. (laughs) So I need people to give us money so that I can start buying desserts again. As always, art and editing is Zarya. And so was the amazing death news research this week. And all the obituary research was done by me. Our theme music is by Kevin McLeod. And Zaria, where can people find us? As always, you can find us at Instagram at Death and Desserts Podcast, Twitter at Death underscore Desserts, TikTok at Death and Desserts, and Facebook at Death and Desserts Podcast. All our links, including our website, are available in our Instagram bio. All right. And join us in two weeks when we discuss, just in time for Valentine's Day, keepsakes from corpses or mementos from corpses. And remember, life is short. Have dessert.